me to Isaiah 53. We have been um, studying, anybody can help me what we have been studying, shadows of uh, Golgotha. We've been going through the Old Testament. Today is week, I think, 49, where we have been starting from Genesis, going all the way through the Old Testament, looking at pictures and shadows of the cross uh, throughout the Old Testament just to show you guys how the cross was God's focal point from all eternity to all eternity that God was thinking about Christ and him crucified. We have arrived to Isaiah 53 and um, today is week number five in Isaiah 53 and I have good news for you Wayne. Today we're going to do just one third of a verse. How about that? So, uh, <laughs> if I, I am encouraging all of us to uh, try to memorize Isaiah 53. I'm hoping by the time we finish, you have that chapter memorized. It's, uh, it's going to bless your life. Uh, today, we're going to just take a small part of verse 5. And I think we're going to spend a couple of weeks at least in verse 5. It is just so deep and so good. So I'm going to read that part from Isaiah 53, verse 5. And this is what uh, Isaiah said, talking about the servant of the Lord that we've been talking about for the last five weeks. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. Amen? This is what we're going to stop today. Other than when anybody else memorized verse 4 that we discussed last week. If not, then let's try to cite it. If Wayne can help us as well to write to recite verse 4 because that will launch us into verse 5. Verse 4 says that he, he bore our pains and he took our griefs, but we, correct, but we assumed we is smitten by the Lord. Smitten, stricken by God and afflicted. So what we talked about last week is this. What Isaiah is, is speaking here, the speaker in Isaiah 53, 1 to 9 is pretty much the nation of Israel that eventually will come to their senses and they will recognize that Jesus was the Messiah and they have really, really messed it up big time. And they mistreated the Messiah that the Lord has sent to serve them or to save them. And in verse 4 it says that he bore our sicknesses and he bore our diseases while Jesus was suffering for the sicknesses and diseases for the people of Israel. What was their perception about him? They thought that he was smitten and stricken by God and afflicted. So they looked at Jesus and they thought that he's sinful enough that God has to punish him. But the fact of the matter is Jesus was suffering for the sins of the people that he has come down to redeem. Amen? Amen. And we start verse 5 by with these two words. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Amen? So when it says but he, that means this verse, this part here is connected to what they just said in verse 4, which is their own perception is Jesus was smitten and stricken because of his own sins, right? <coughs> so they look at Jesus and say, oh, he was smitten, stricken, and afflicted by God because he deserved it, because he sinned. But the fact of the matter, but he was pierced for our transgression. That is what was going on. Amen? Amen. 
The first two words, but he, in Hebrew can carry either but he or while he, right? It can be translated either way. Either way, it just shows us the contrast between the Jewish people <clears throat> perception of why Jesus was persecuted on the cross or Jesus was suffering on the cross versus the fact of the matter is Jesus was suffering for their own sins and their own transgressions. Amen? If we look at this word as while he, it also revealed to us their ignorance, their utter ignorance that they're saying we were so ignorant why the Messiah was, was suffering because he's being smitten and stricken by God. Why we thought he was smitten and stricken by God while he was suffering for our own sins. So it also implied um, not just a contrast, but it adds a different dimension to it, which is they were ignorant of why Jesus has died for them on the cross. So that's but he. And then we read that part after that. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. In this phrase right here, it's kind of a repetition. I don't think Isaiah was trying to add a new meaning when he said bruised for our iniquities after pierced for our transgressions. I think he was just emphasizing the same idea by repeating it twice using different words just to emphasize the fact that the Messiah was wounded and was crushed because of our own iniquities and our own transgressions. Amen? Amen. In, in this phrase, we see two major points that Isaiah was trying to address. Point number one is the reason for the suffering of the servant. And point number two is the nature of the suffering of the servant. Amen? So we see two things here. What are they? Number one is the reason why the servant suffered. And number two, the nature of the suffering of the servant. Let's start with the reason. Obvious, it is so obvious from the text here. What was the reason that the servant, the Messiah, suffered? It was our transgressions and our iniquities, right? That's what the text say, right? The reason that the servant, the Messiah, suffered is because our transgressions and our iniquities. Now I want you to notice something. What Isaiah is telling us here is this. Jesus didn't die for a noble cause, right? Like our soldiers who, who bravely die for our own freedoms on the battlefield. They die for a noble cause, right? But Jesus didn't die for a noble cause. And Jesus didn't die as somebody who was persecuted for their own belief or what they stand for, right? We as Christians can suffer, but we suffer because we want to stand for what is right and what is God is teaching in His Word, right? Jesus didn't die because he had a noble cause that he wanted to defend. Jesus didn't die because he, he was persecuted for what he thought it was true and it was right. The reason Jesus died is that he was our substitute on the cross. Amen? And there is nobody else, nobody else in the whole Bible that suffered as a substitute except Christ, except the servant, except the Messiah. Amen? Notice what Isaiah said here. Isaiah said, Jesus or the Messiah did not die or did not suffer because we are transgressors, you know, as if he's suffering because we're evil people, he's a good person and we persecuted him, right? Isaiah didn't say Jesus didn't die because we are transgressors, but he died for our transgressions. Amen? He didn't die because we were persecuted him, he died because he was our substitute on the cross. Amen? 
And the idea that the Messiah is the substitute that took our sins and our iniquities upon himself and bore it on the cross on our behalf is the common theme throughout Isaiah 53. 12 times at least, maybe 11, the last one I'm not sure about, but 11 or 12 times at least, we see that Isaiah is keep repeating and keep telling us that the reason the Messiah died, the reason the servant died, is that he was our substitute on the cross. Amen? In verse 4, we see that he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. In verse 5, we just read that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. And continue verse 5, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Notice the contrast, Isaiah keep putting that contrast in front of our eyes. Us and ours versus him. Let's read that again. Look, he bore our griefs, right? Do you see the idea here? Contrasting him with us. He bore our grief. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Do you see the contrast? And with his stripes, we were healed. Do you guys see the contrast over and over? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. Do you see? Him versus us. Him versus us. Over and over again. And then it says verse 8. For the transgression of my people. My people. He was stricken. Verse 10. Thou hast made his soul an offering for sin. Remember the sin offering? We talked about that. When, when somebody sins and they bring an offering to God and they lay their hands on that offering and it's as if the sin of the guilty person is transferred into the innocent sacrifice that is being slaughtered on behalf of, in place of the person who have sinned. This is what Isaiah said Jesus was. He was our substitute. He was our sin offering on the cross. And then verse 11. He shall bear their iniquities, our iniquities. And verse 12, he bore the sins of many. And verse 12 again, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Over and over and over again, you see that. This is the theme of Isaiah 53. Him taking our place to provide redemption for us. Amen. Amen. Not only in Isaiah 53, throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, we see that theme very common. He versus us. Him, what he has done for us. Amen? And in Romans 5, 6, we see that Christ has died for the ungodly. Amen? In Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he died for our sins. He was delivered for our sins. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 22, the Father made him who knew no sin, that he might be a sin for who? For us. Amen? Uh, Galatians 2.20 He gave himself for me, Paul said. Galatians 1.4 I missed this one. He gave himself for our sins. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. You guys get the point? Yes. 1 Timothy 2.6 He gave himself as a ransom for all. Mark 10, 45, Jesus talking here and he's saying that he's going about to give himself as a ransom for many. John 10, 11, 
the good shepherd Jesus said, lay down his life for who? For the sheep. Do you see the theme? Him taking our place. First Peter 2.21, Christ suffered for you. First Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body. And continue after that, it says, and by his wounds you were healed. Direct quote from Isaiah 53. And finally, First Peter 3.18, for Christ has suffered once and for all for sins. And then what it says after that, the righteous for the unrighteous. The righteous one taking the place of the unrighteous one. Amen? Amen? This is the point of the whole Bible. This is the story from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 that Jesus has come to take our place on the cross. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Why? Why would Jesus have to do that? When I go out and talk to people I usually use this analogy. You probably heard it from me, but it's good to remind you every now and then. If I take a speeding ticket, okay, and the officer hand me the ticket and say, your court date is six months from now, right? So six months later, I go to court and I stand before the judge. Now the question is, do you think the judge will ask me, uh, what do you do for a living? And then when I say, Oh, I'm a pastor. It's like, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, forget about this ticket. Do you think the judge will do that? Yeah. Do you think the judge will ask, oh, how are you doing with your kids? I was like, hey, man, I'm working so hard for them. It's like, oh, you're a good father. Let me dismiss this ticket for you, right? Yeah. Will the judge ask me how many tickets I had since that ticket? No. no. What would the judge care about? One thing. One thing and one thing also, only. Did I break the law? Correct. Did I break the law or did I not break the law, right? Yeah. That's the judge's job. The judge cares less about everything else. You're there for one question and one question only. Have you broken the law? Yes, no. As simple as that. If you have broken the law, you're guilty before the law. You have to pay the penalty of the law. Amen? Amen. And if you're innocent before the law, you're a free man. You can leave the court and nobody will come after you. Amen? Amen. The problem is every single one of us has broken the law of God in one way or shape or form. Amen? And when we all stand before God and He will be the judge in the day of judgment, guess what? God will care less about how good of a person you were or how much you have tried. All of this doesn't matter when you're in the court, right? What the judge care about is one simple question. Have you broken the law or have you not broken the law? Amen? Amen. And that's why when every single person of the 7 billion people in this world stand before God before one day, we are all guilty. The Bible says that the whole world is guilty before God. And every mouth will be shut in His presence because we all have broken the law of God. Amen? And because we have broken the law, we're doomed under the, the penalty of the law to be separated from God for all eternity. And we have no way out, period. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Nothing matters because you have broken the law. Amen? The only thing that can spare you apart from Christ is that you go back in time and undo the breaking of the law. Amen? If you can do that, go back and never commit the crime of breaking the law of God, then you're a good person. Amen? If you can keep the law, all the law, all the time, guess what? You're going to make it to heaven. It's not that bad. Amen? Amen. It 
is bad. <laughs> it's very bad because none of us can keep the law of God all the time. Amen? That's why Jesus came from heaven. That's why He was the substitute for us on the cross. Because even though Jesus has committed no sin, He took our own sins upon Himself. He bore it on the cross. He was our substitute. And when Jesus died, He satisfied the justice and the righteousness and the wrath of God once and for all. Amen? And now God who is holy and righteous and just has not compromised His justice, yet He's still willing to accept us into heaven and spare us from the righteous judgment that we have earned because we have sinned against God. Amen? That is the Bible. That's the whole message. That's the whole point. And if you're still trying to reach out to God through your own good works, bad news, it will never happen. Amen? Amen? All what you have to do is just take refuge in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. He's your substitute. He's the one who satisfied the wrath of God once and for all. So that is the reason for the suffering of the servant. He, was, he took our place and he bore our sins. Amen? Amen? Now, let's move on and look a little bit further into the nature of that suffering. Isaiah uses here two words to describe the nature of the suffering of the Messiah. It says that he was wounded or pierced, and then that he was crushed. That's the two words that Isaiah used. The word pierced that he used here, it's really wounded to death. That's what he's trying to tell us. He's, he was pierced through and through. He was wounded over and over and over till the point that he died. That's what Isaiah is trying to tell us. Amen? We see that word used in Isaiah 51.9 when, when Isaiah said, Awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake in the, as in the ancient days, in the generations of, or, of old. Aren't thou not that has cut Rahab, I think that's an, uh, another word for Egypt, and wounded the dragon, that's probably a reference to Pharaoh. And that word wounded here is the exact same word that Isaiah used just a little bit later, two chapters later, to describe how the servant was suffered. The idea that the dragon Pharaoh was wounded is Pharaoh died because of the excessive wounds that he had, right? That's, that's what Isaiah is telling us. And that's pretty much the idea that, that Isaiah is trying to tell us about Jesus here, that the servant, the Messiah, our substitute, was wounded through and through to the point of death, that he died. One of the reasons he died is because of the excessive wounds that he had on the cross. Amen? Yes. We see that Jesus was wounded by scourging in, in John 19.1 by the crown of thorns. We talked about the scourging before. And we say that the Romans will have this uh, flag, like uh, they have these pieces of, 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 of um, leather, um, the wires of leather, and they have these pieces of metal attached to it. And when they score somebody, that pieces of metal, that dry bone, is embedded in the back of that person. And then when they pull it out, then all the muscles is getting torn and all the blood vessels is getting exposed. It is such a torturous, torturous way to treat people so much so that during even the Roman time, the scourging was in itself enough punishment. They just scourged the person and let him go because that's just enough they have endured. And then Jesus on top of that has the crown of thorns that they, they made a, a circle of thorns to, to make fun of him and mock him and they placed it on his head. And later after that we see that they took a rod and they hit him on the head where he has already that crown of thorns with a rod and that thorns get embedded in his 
ahead. Jesus was bleeding because of the beating that he took on the cross from the Roman soldiers. These are vile, vicious soldiers who know nothing but shed blood. And when they beat you, they're not playing games with you. They really beat you. Amen? Amen. And Jesus was also bleeding from the wounds that happened because of the nails in his hands and his feet that is on the cross. And Jesus also bled because even after he died, they pierced him with a spear that went through all his body, all the way till it actually pierced his heart just to make sure that he has died. Jesus was disfigured. We talked about this the very first week. We talked about Isaiah 53. The wounds that Jesus had disfigured him to the point that you cannot even tell that he belongs to the human race. You look at him and say, is this even a human? You can't tell because of all the wounds and the bleeding that Jesus has suffered on the cross. Amen? He was pierced. He was wounded through and through as, as our substitute on the cross. We've seen hints about that in, in Psalms 22, 16 when we talked about this and we said, they pierced my hand and my feet. And we said one of the other meanings for that is they were like a lion. The people, the Roman soldiers tearing into my hand and my feet. You guys remember that? Remember when we said that Jesus was on the cross, hanged and there's nail in his feet and nails in his two um, like the rests of his hands and that the weight of his body was mainly on his feet, on his legs and then when Jesus tried to inhale he tried to lift himself up and put all his weight on his arms that is hanged to that wood by a nail and the pain of that nail touching the nerves it will just run through all his body and then when Jesus tried to exhale he puts all his weight on the nail that is in his feet and still again that nail wrapping into the nerve will, will send shock waves of pain throughout his body. Amen? It was literally like a lying tearing into his hand and his feet when he was hanging on the cross. Amen? Amen? And then after he died, we see that the Roman soldiers, to make sure that he died, they take a pierce and they pierced him from his side. The, the, the spear goes all the way to open his heart and water and blood, blood and water, comes out of his body. Amen? Now, why would blood and water come out of the, blood, the, the, the body of Christ? This is important. And I think it will, will line up more and help us understand more how Jesus was wounded all the way to death. Amen? So look at this. Again, we talked about the scourging, how they were just it's so torturous and the one who's being scourged would lose so much blood. And that's what happened to Jesus. Even before he went to the cross, he lost so much blood that the volume of his blood were really, really went down. It's called a hypovolemic shock. Like the volume goes down. It's low volume of blood that his body goes into shock. And when his body loses so much blood, the body try, the, his body tried to compensate that. So the heart will start bumping very fast because it's trying to bump blood that is not there. So the heart starts bumping so fast. And then the blood pressure will drop so radically. And the kidneys will shut down because the kidney is trying to protect the body from losing any more fluid. So the kidney will shut down. So the kidney will shut down, the blood pressure will fall, and the person will 
even collapse under that blood pressure and he will start thirst so much because he's losing so much fluid. And that explains why Jesus, when he was carrying his cross and going to Calvary, he fell under the weight of that cross. Amen? Because he was, his blood pressure was dropping and he was in so much shock because of all the blood and the liquid that he has lost from his wounds. Amen? And even when he was on the cross, we hear him say, I am thirsty, I, I thirst because of all the fluid and all the blood that he has been losing. Jesus was literally wound to death. He bled till he died. Amen? Amen. And that's why when, when, when you lose so much fluid like this, the heart starts pumping so hard. And because of that, there is water, fluid start accumulating between the actual muscle of the heart and, and, the, and the, the, the shell that covers the heart, a muscle that covers the heart. And fluid will start accumulating between the heart and the membrane that covers it. And when the soldier pierced Jesus with his spear, the spear burst the heart and that water that is, it was accumulating between the actual muscle and the membrane that covers it actually burst and came out of the body of Christ. Amen? When Isaiah said that he was wounded through and through for our transgressions, he was not talking about metaphor suffering that Jesus has endured for us on the cross. Amen? It was literally saying, and Jesus literally bled to death for you and for me on the cross because of all the wounds that he has suffered from. Amen? He was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions. But not only that. He was also crushed for our iniquities. Crushed literally means beaten into pieces. The idea here is the weight of our sins on Christ on the cross. Have you ever had a nut or something and you just... Keep pressure it with, with a tool or something that it cracks under that pressure. And then you keep squeezing that it actually comes down to fine powder. That's precisely what Isaiah tells us that Jesus has experienced on our behalf. Under the wrath of God that he endured on the cross for your salvation and for my salvation. Amen. The pressure, the weight of sin literally crushed, crushed Jesus on the cross. Amen. Now we don't know, and I don't think anybody can even understand what happened during that three hours when there was darkness on the cross and Jesus was just dealing with the Father and He was becoming sin for us and now He's paying for our sins. We cannot even fathom or even explain the amount of pain and weight that Jesus has endured for us. Amen? But I'll give you a couple of clues to help us get an idea. Amen? Think about this. When somebody, when a sinner sins against God, we talked about how hell looks like before. And we said that the best description to hell in our physical world is like the liquid lava that comes out of the volcanoes that is 2,000 degrees hot. That's pretty much the best description of, of hell. So that is how the Bible tells us is hell. Like a sinner who doesn't know Christ will be sinking in that bottomless pit of liquid sava. Not just for a year or two or ten or twenty or a hundred or a thousand years. For all eternity. The amount of pain is 
unbelievably unimaginable, but the, the length of that pain is uh, infinite, right? Now imagine that pain that God will use to punish one sinner, and you multiply that by the billions of people that are living in our time and have lived throughout history and will live till everything comes to an end. Amen? Multiply that amount of pain together, and that's the amount of pain that Jesus has endured on the cross. Amen? He was literally crushed under the weight of our sin on the cross. We see a hint of that when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross. The Bible tells us in, in Matthew 26, 38, 26, 38, this, that an angel from heaven. Now Jesus is looking to the cross that is about to happen. And he's imagining and trying to comprehend and trying to uh, like comfort himself that he's going to go to the cross. And he's praying about that. And look what the Bible tells us. An angel from heaven appeared to him and uh, strengthened him. This is Jesus, right? Remember that Jesus, just a few chapters before, a couple of years before that, uh, he stood up and the raging sea and the raging wind, he said, stop, be quiet, and it obeyed, because he is that strong. Amen? This is Jesus who can just command things to come into being, yet under the thought of the wrath of God that he's going to endure on the cross, he needed an angel to come and strengthen him, because that thought just made him so frail and so weak. Amen? And look at this. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. That is actually a true medical condition. It is extremely rare, but it does exist. And it's called hematidrosis. And what happens is this. I'm just going to read it verbatim so you can, I can't describe it any better. Hematidrosis is a condition where the Capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to excuse blood, occurring under condition, look at this, occurring under condition of extreme physical or emotional stress. Severe mental anxiety activate the sympathetic nervous system to invoke the stress fight or uh, the stress fight or flight reactions to such a degree as to cause hemorrhage of the vessel supplying the sweat glands. You guys understand that? It's just sudden stress that happens that your body can't help it but to react in this way. And then the last sentence it says here, it has been suggested that, look at this, acute fear and extreme stress can cause it. Acute fear, extreme stress that can cause that. Amen? We're talking about the Son of God here. Amen? We're not talking about an average human being. Can you imagine the amount of anxiety that went through the mind and the heart and the soul of Christ just picturing the amount of pain that He's going to endure on the cross on your behalf and my behalf. His body couldn't help it, but blood, that blood will come out of Him as sweat. A very rare clinical condition, but it's a real condition. But this tells you the acute anxiety and fear and anxiousness that Jesus was going through in the Garden of Gethsemane in anticipation of the cross and paying the, wrath of, paying the penalty of the wrath of God. Amen? I mean, Jesus himself said that my soul is so sorrowful. He said that in, in the Garden too. To the point of death, I am so 
depressed and anxious and worried to the point that I'm about to die. I believe that was literal. That was not just a metaphor. Just imagining and picturing and anticipating the wrath of God that he's about to endure for us on the cross. Amen? He was crushed for our iniquities. Jesus was not metaphorically crushed for us. He was not hypothetically crushed for us. Jesus literally was crushed on our behalf on the cross so he can pay the price of our sins. Amen? Amen. But he, let's just say this verse together and then we'll close in prayer. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Can we close our eyes and pray?